Let me tell you about their church. It's, it's a largish church in a largish city. So probably 100, 200,000 Roman citizens and probably about three or 400,000 slaves. So you've got a city of about half a million people there. Um, uh, uh, economic powerhouse of a city. Uh, we've got archaeology. They, they love their idols. They have Greek temples and Roman temples and Egyptian temples. And, and if, if you want to look at the dodgy red light district, the whole town is that place and they call it religion. And it, it's just a... Oh, it's an interesting town. It's one of those places Paul established the church there. He spent probably 18 months there. Um, he came there, he said, with fear and trembling because he'd come from a really, really difficult situation, basically beaten up and almost killed. And, and he arrives at this place which has got a reputation for licentiousness. Um, if you called someone a Corinthianizer, it was like you were being as rude as you could possibly be to them. They, they had this reputation. You don't want to go to Corinth, but, oh, you really want to go to Corinth. Have you been to Corinth? Oh. That, that kind of place, if you know what I mean. It's a large church. Quite a few Christians had, had taken up the faith, but it's also a church full of cliques, and, and we'll see that there's people following different personalities there, and and people sitting on this side of the church, and people sitting on that side of the church, and, and uh, the sound people are never allowed to be over here, and yeah, that sort of thing. But you are allowed to be over here. But this is the Corinthian church. Uh, a lot of them were snobbish. They shared the Lord's meal together, and probably a big meal, and the rich people scoffed it all up, and the poor people were lucky if they got a crumb. Um, there was very little church discipline. In Bible study the other week, we we heard about Paul's rather upset at them because there's one bloke who's, who's living with his mother-in-law and not in her house. He's, he's living with his mother-in-law. And this is, the church is proud of, of how tolerant they are in this. This is a church that is unwilling to submit to any authority. They, they really don't care about others. They, they are prepared to take other Christians to court to get their own way. They do whatever they want to. I don't care how it affects you. I am free in Christ. I can do what I want. Very keen on the gifts of the Spirit, the Corinthian church. Very keen on specific gifts of the Spirit, the Corinthian church. In fact, if, if we can just summarize the Corinthian church... If most people said to you, what was the Corinthian church like? We'd probably say, well, the Corinthian church was a mess. A mess and a half. Full of problems and sin and division and heresy. And you might even say, if you're feeling in that mood, it's kind of like a lot of the churches today. And Paul writes to them, have a listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're reading the first nine verses. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. Just by the way, Sosthenes is quite a, is quite a it's, it's not a common name, but it's not an uncommon name. The only other Sosthenes that we have mentioned in the New Testament is, 
is the leader of, well, let's go back a bit, Acts 17, 18, we have Paul arriving in Corinth, the leader of the synagogue becomes a Christian, people get upset, they replace him with a guy called Sosthenes. Now we can't prove it, but wouldn't it be cool? And, and Paul mentions this guy because the Corinthian church obviously know who Sosthenes is. So I think it's not beyond the realms of possibilities that you had two leaders of the Jewish synagogue become Christians in this town. What a brilliant church. Isn't that amazing? So, I just, I just find that astounding. And I reckon it's probably so because he doesn't tell anyone who Sosthenes is. He just assumes they know. So it's from Paul, um, whom God has chosen to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from Sosthenes. He says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who, are, who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Jesus Christ, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always give thanks to God for you and for the gracious gifts He has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through Him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. And this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for He is faithful to do what He says, and He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've just described the church at Corinth as possibly a messy, 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 messy church where a lot of stuff is going wrong. There's division, there's cliques, there's sin, there's lacks of discipline, there's there's lack of love, and what does Paul write to them? He's going to deal with all those issues in the letter, but the first thing he says is he says to them, I'm writing to you who have been sanctified. I'm writing to the church of God in Corinth, to those who are holy, who have been set apart. To those who are different from the world to those who call on the name of Jesus Christ, to those there who form part of this worldwide community of the saints. says, Paul, I'm, I'm writing to the holy people of Corinth. And this is interesting, you read some of the commentaries on this chapter, and they go, oh, Paul is a master of sarcasm here. Because obviously he can't be writing to holy people because just look at what he says in the rest of his letters. How can you write to a church like this with division and sin and anguish and there's two letters worth of stuff that's wrong at this church. And in fact, we're told that there's a letter before this letter and a letter after this letter that we don't have. At least four letters Paul has to write to address major, major issues in this church And he writes to them and he says, I am writing to those who are called, those who are holy in Corinth. I'm writing to God's church. I am writing, in effect, says Paul, I'm writing to the perfect church. How 
How on earth can Paul be so thankful and positive about a church that is so... If you got a, a, a church health consultant in, they would say this church is in serious trouble. And yet Paul says, I always thank God. He thanks God for the church which abuses the gifts that God has given the church. And he does so because as he looks at the church, he sees it not as they are, but as they will be and in terms of what God has done. You see, Paul is thankful for how God has blessed the church and the gifts that God has given them. If every good thing comes from God, how can we not be thankful for that good thing? Paul does later back in the letter go, yeah, you know what, those things that I'm really thankful about, stop abusing them. In particular, he points out the gifts of, of, of speaking and, and prophecy in chapters 12, 13, 14, speak about these gifts and tongues and knowledge and, and, and he says, yeah, I'm really happy that you got these gifts right at the start of the letter. And then he says, what are you doing using what God has given for your good to hurt your brothers and to not edify the church? But at this point, as he starts the letter, he wants to, he wants to remind them that they are blessed so much. So often we, we look at warts. We're good at finding the problems, aren't we? And in our world today, it is so easy to hop churches. Oh no, did you see what they did there? They sang a chorus after communion. I will never go to that church again. Oh, did you see what they did at this new church? And we spot all the problems. But what Paul does, he doesn't, he doesn't have a... By the way, there's not a problem singing a chorus after communion. Just let me say that. Uh, it, Paul looks and he says, yeah, I see the problems, but, but I also see the church the way God sees it. You know, when, when Jesus comes back, we sang about how we, we have been made the bride of Christ. And when Jesus comes back, we're going to be wearing white. We're, we're going to be dressed in just spotless robes. Because we've already been made perfect in Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Isn't it fantastic that there is no such thing? If a church is a church of Jesus Christ, then that church is perfect. And usually perfectly awful at the same time. What makes the church perfect? Well, it's what God has done. Paul says, yeah, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts He has given you now that you belong to Jesus Christ. 
Grace is, it, it refers to, to grace that God has given us to make us his children, but, but the word there is, is one that Paul can use a bit interchangeably also for the gifts that God has given to the church. It, it, it's, it's a huge word. It's a tiny word, but it means so much. It, it speaks about how God has blessed this church and these Christians so abundantly despite themselves, not because of themselves. And one of the problems in the Corinthians church is that some of them thought themselves so big and important. We've reached there. We've done it. And you should look at us. Wow! And Paul says, hey, you know what, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for what God has done despite you guys. I'm thankful for how God has called you to be His own people and, and having called you, how He has equipped you. What makes the church perfect? It's, it's, it's made perfect because of what Jesus and what God are doing at the moment. Verses 5 and 6 says, Through Jesus, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. And, and this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Another translation, Paul says, I am so thankful that you have been made wealthy. Right now, says Paul to the Corinthians, you guys are so rich. And if he was writing to Comet Bay, I hope he wouldn't write a letter like 1 Corinthians to us, but if he was writing to Comet Bay, he'd say, you guys are so jolly rich. Corinthians, especially with respect to the gifts of, of speaking and knowledge, And he says, I'm so happy about this because, because really this is a sign for Paul that, that the church is alive. The church is alive. The, the Spirit is present. These aren't people pretending to play church. These are people where, where it's clear that the gospel has not just come and people haven't just taken it into their heads, but it has taken them over and, and the Spirit is moving powerfully and they, they, they've got these gifts and there is gifts of knowledge and there are gifts of, of speaking and, and, and people are speaking the truth of the gospel and there are Christians becoming Christians or non-Christians becoming Christians. And you know what, yes, they're using their gifts in a chaotic way, and yes, there's problems. But the church is alive. You know what, I would rather have a church that is full of major, major issues and huge problems, and Paul having to write four letters to us. Don't become like this completely, please. But I would rather have that and life There are no problems and death. Isn't it something to be thankful for that the Spirit is moving? Isn't this something that we should be praying for, saying, God, let's just go forth and, and let's just send your power. And yeah, we're, we're going to try our very best to not fall into the mistakes of the past and 
and we want you to guide us, Lord, and we, we want to honor you with our lives. And, and Paul's clear, we should be honoring God with our lives, but, but let's just, let's just, God, just work. The pastor's conference a few weeks back, uh, the guy said to me, uh, said to all of us, um, if you look at the New Testament, most of the letters, in fact, all of the letters are written because the church was a huge mess. And the church was a huge mess because they were just so alive and the gospel was going, running ahead of itself almost. And isn't it wonderful where you have to catch up and sort of patch over and get things right, but, but by the time you've patched over here, the church is already at the other side of the road because the Spirit is just moving. That's what the Spirit, the Spirit moves and then the Spirit works as well and, and fixes things up and, and Paul with the Spirit comes through and, and we, we make us and we become more like Jesus as the Spirit works. But, but we should be praying for, for the Spirit to just go. And Paul looks at the Corinthians, he says, you guys are a mess, but boy is God working in your place. Boy is God working in your place. And I think that makes a sign that you are part of the perfect church because God is working. You've been enriched in everything by Christ. You have all that you need. Now we're a smallish church and we can maybe say, oh, we don't really have everything that we need. We've got great contacts. We've got great contacts. And in Him we have everything that we need. Maybe not everything that we want, but everything that we need. What makes the church perfect? Well, it's made perfect by what God will do. I love this bit. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true, and now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. You know, the church in Corinth, in terms of their day-to-day living, they were far from perfect. Very far. We're far from perfect. I don't think we're quite as bad as the Corinthians but we're bad in other ways. And if we bring it personally, each and every one of us, wow, how far are we? And Paul says to them, you know what? You know what? You've got you to keep a perspective on church. And I think it extends to our private lives as well. He says at the end of the day, You've got to be thinking about where God is taking us. He says it right there in the second half of verse 7. You've got everything you need now as you wait eagerly for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, for Paul, our focus shouldn't be so much on human frailty 
as on God's strength and faithfulness. There's there's a saying, and I've even used it before. It says, the church is only ever one generation away from extinction. Have you heard that saying? That's rubbish. Drivel. The church is nowhere close to extinction because even though we are pathetic, God is powerful. That is just that is just such an amazingly powerful truth. And Paul can write to the worst of churches and he can say, look forward to the day when Jesus comes back. Because he is coming back. And focus on that. And as Paul looks at the church in Corinth and as we look at our church today and we look from the site of eternity and we stand next to Jesus as He returns and we look at Comet Bay, He will not say, wow, 2013 was a horrible year or wow, 2045 was a pathetic year. He will say, wow, look at them. All the time since I formed them, they have been mine. And they're perfect. You know what? That's the kind of person Jesus is. He stands, I believe, at the right hand of God in heaven. That's kind of like the story of Job, where God says, Hey, have you seen my servant? Hey, have you seen my servant, Comet Bay Baptist Church? Yeah, they moan a bit every now and again, maybe like Job. Or, or yeah, they're struggling here. Or yeah, they're doing that. But Wow! They're mine. I saved them. I'm holding them. Isn't this fantastic? He says, have you seen the Corinthians? Wow, these guys are shocking, but wow, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. And I can just visualize God turning to Jesus going, yeah, they are, aren't they? Good job, Jesus. Good job, Jesus. Paul speaks about how we have been called by God. He says he will keep us strong to the end so that we will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. On that day when all of our hidden secrets will be brought out into the open. And Jesus will look at us and say, sorted that out ages ago. Stop moping about it and get into heaven, why don't you? Come be with me. Come be with me. God will do this for He is faithful to do what He says and He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. If we have been called on God's initiative to share in His Son, Jesus Christ, then God is not going to abandon us and God is not going to go back on His promises. Jesus said in John that it is the Father's will that He not lose even one of those. John chapter 6, I think that he will not lose even one of those that the Father has entrusted into his hand. We can fully depend on God. Though we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. 
And the church is God's responsibility. He looks at us now as we will be. God's God, so he also looks at us as we are, and he says, hey, let's, let's work on that. Let's work on that. Let's live out now what we will be. In fact, that's what the Corinthian letter is all about. Paul starts and says, hey, this is where you are. Let's work on that. If you become the president of the United States, oh, let's go bigger. If you become the president of the world, and you're put into that office on the first day, you're going to flunk. You're the president. But you need training, and you need, you need perfecting into that job, into that position. Jesus says, you are the perfect church. Let's work on it. And we can work on it because we are not just a church of people, but we are the church of Jesus Christ. Did you notice what Paul, like it's, I love Paul in this verse 1 to 9. You might have heard he mentioned the name of Jesus like every two words. Did you hear that? Every, every verse is, I think there's more mentions of Jesus and Christ in the, in the first nine verses than there are verses. And Paul does this because he knows that we are the perfect church, not in and of ourselves, but in and of Jesus Christ. We are the perfect church in and of Jesus Christ. And God looks at us through Jesus Christ, and one day we as a church corporate, we will be like Jesus Christ. we have this glorious hope. And I want to suggest to us that if, if God looks at His church as perfect, surely that means that we need to commit ourselves to that. And we need to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase after God's vision. I'm going to be part of that. I want people to look at our church and to see it the way that God sees it. Last week, somebody stood up from the front here, a visitor from England, and said, love people. Love God, love people. By the way, that, that is the slogan for our church. Loving God, loving people. Surely, if God looks at us as perfect, we need to be I want the person living next door to the church to, to see us and say, wow, that church, those people are just incredible. I want the school to look at the church and say, wow, these people really love us. I want the other three or four schools in our neighborhood to do the same thing. I want our neighbors to look at us and say, you know what, Joe Bloggs over there goes to Comet Bay Baptist Church and 
something about that church, there's something about that person. Ahead, we're going to flop. We're going to do some horrible things. I promise you. I know myself. Just me in the church means that there will be some mistakes in the church. And I hate to break it to you, but you in the church means there'll be a few more mistakes in the church. But we are perfect. And we're going to live that out. That's my challenge to you today. That's my challenge to me today. To live what we are. In Jesus. We're going to sing our song, and we're going to sing it through twice um, with enthusiasm. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Of course you can.